Welcome to Talking About Midlife, where we talk about life living in a female body in our midlife. We talk about health, love, relationships, our inner world, aging, death, motherhood, and what it means to be a human at this time in the world. I am Kelly Sterling, and I hope you enjoy listening to these stories that I'm sharing. Hi everyone, welcome. Thanks for listening today. Today I have a friend and colleague, fellow sex love and relationship coach, intimacy coach, Gina Catherine, here talking to me today. And we are talking about self-love as a pathway to healing. The reason that I asked Gina about this is that we've both suffered from significant illness in our life and it's both affected us both in different ways, but through finding self-love for ourselves, it's been a path that helped us through those big challenges. But it's also just a really interesting topic. So welcome, Gina. So good to have you here. Thank you, Kelly. I'm a big fan of both (laughs) your podcast and your work. So I was happy to be invited. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about you and what has been your pathway to the work that you do now? Yeah, sure. So I, um, I'm Gina Catherine and I'm a certified sex, love and relationship coach. And, um, you know, my sort of tagline is I'm passionate about passion, not only, not only sexual passion and our sexuality, but just passion for life getting out of that numbness we all tend to find ourselves in or not, right? I think the, the, best, the best situation is if we realize, oh, I'm a little numbed out here or I'm, um, I'm sleeping, you know, like at what Tara Brack calls in trance, you're just mm. going along, you get married, you get the mortgage, you have the kids and you, I was disconnected and I have found that as a common theme mm. in women anywhere from 30 to late 50s, right? They, they sort of think, wait, what? what? <laughs> they wake up on the highway and think, how did I get here? And, yeah. and this, yeah. was, this is exactly very much my, my journey is you had mentioned that I had an illness. So in 2016, I was diagnosed with breast cancer Mm. and um, really did a lot of pretending like I was okay and not really realizing that that was what I was doing. I was sort of deploying what I always did, which was, this is fine, everything's fine. Toxic positivity, they call it now, right? Like that is a little bit like, ignoring some very hard truths and I just that I could no longer ignore right so in this way being so afraid and needing support that I wasn't getting Mm. I felt this rupture right this this feeling of this is no longer tenable for me to be asleep in my life when I when I had all of these big aspirations and dreams of living my full life. And mm. about it, two years before my cancer diagnosis, I visited a friend who I had not seen since, since our early 20s, late teens, early 20s. And she, I had written her letters after high school, letter after letter, almost love letters to this friend, right? Telling her what I was doing, telling her how I had felt um, about life. I had gone to near New York City to be a nanny and, and was like living this life that I was realizing. And, and I had written to her over and over again, that I would not have an ordinary life, right? I would not have an ordinary life. And all of these, all of these letters came back to me in a gift from her. So she gifted me these letters that 20 and 21 year old me had written. And I was very emotional about them because a lot of the dreams I had about about serving, about finding my special passion, 
were not realized, right? And I was in my 40s and thought, what is happening, right? And, and part, so part of this was that I, my role in my family was, I always, I always said that um, I didn't really, I was always the supporting character in my own life. And I wanted to be the protagonist. And, and those two things can happen at the same time. You can be wife, mother, um, friend, and, and have your own story rolling. These things are possible, but it wasn't yes. possible for me because I didn't feel, I didn't feel worthy. I didn't feel, I didn't feel like my voice was free. I felt very shut down. I even had this thing that I would do this weird tick swallowing thing. Like there was something always stuck in my throat. Mm -hmm. There was a physical thing happening with me that was telling me what was going on. I had digestive problems for 10 years before wow. I had cancer. You know, it was like my body was saying to me, Gina, Gina, and I was ignoring it. And so finally it said, Gina, right? <laughs> wake up. And so with this cancer diagnosis, I really realized, wow, I need to take everything out put it on the table and see what is mine. What do I want to grow? Um, I think anyone just like you, Kelly, I think anyone looking at me would have thought Gina's super confident. Gina's super happy. Um, I, I was a believer in that motto, fake it till you make it. Mm. Um, but that's just not tenable unless you really feel unless you really feel the feelings that you want. I could not receive them from others. I could not acknowledge them in myself. And yeah. I was slowly and surely going down the drain. It was yeah. very dark. And so, yeah, I, I started on this path right after I got cancer. And um, of a lot of realizations came to me in, in that scary, scary time that makes sense it totally does and so just so people are clear so now with your work what is it female sexuality that you focus on or is it the connection you know building those connections how do you describe what you do yeah so that's a really good question and you know everybody talks about in coaching like niching down oh, yeah, and, I'm not into that oh, but anyway no, yeah. no me either so ultimately the work that I do is my, my, my client is me five or 10 years ago, which is highly dependent on her intellect, highly thinking, highly analytical, perfectionist, um, really, really hard on myself, really, um, I had a lot of accomplishments that I was proud of and that I held up as I'm fine, I, I am a vegan. I'm fine. I run marathons. I'm fine. I did triathlons. I'm fine. I go trekking in the Alps, right? Big external. Um, I volunteer so much. I, I'm so giving, I'm so loving. Right. And, and I was pseudo self-aware in that I was able to talk about my feelings, but not as they were happening only in the mm. past. Mm -hmm. So I would do what I'm doing now quite well. I was very proficient in the art of connecting what I was feeling with good vocabulary, but what I was not good at doing. So what I was doing, in other words, is I was thinking my feelings and I was yeah. remembering my feelings. I was so disconnected from the actual feelings of my feelings that when I started to reawaken this um, ability to feel my feelings, and this ability to tap into the wisdom of my body, there was no going back, right? I thought, ah, oh, that's it. So it was part, part meditation, um, a lot of mindfulness, a lot of somatic work, cathartic practices, um, intentional connection with my body through dance, self-pleasure, so many practices that each time I discovered a new one, I thought, what else? What else? Like a like the kid who had never been to Disney and is already 14. Something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, that was so good. That was so amazing. What else? But then the skill of 
I would say, you know, everyone always asks me, what was the big, what's the biggest thing you could offer? And I would offer that there is no biggest thing. It's this, holistic. Yeah. yeah. It's very holistic. But, but this feeling that you mentioned of self-love in a real sense that I had a lot of stumbles. I fell from grace many times in, in parenting, in my marriage, in the way that I showed up with my family of, of origin. Um, I was not always truthful with myself and it was difficult for me to be truthful with other people. I hid mm. a lot. Mm. And these, this idea of self-forgiveness and not making an excuse, but taking full responsibility was radical for me. And I could not have done that without the being centered in my body. I couldn't have done it just up here because I would have been overwhelmed. Yeah. So working through all of these things that needed self-forgiveness from me, that I needed to process, were processed through my body. And it was just such a resource that I, I had been cut off from for a long time. So the, the basis of my work, the, the foundation of my work is bringing people back into the wisdom, the sensation of their body through a lot of these practices that I got so jazzed about. And um, breath work for me was a foreign, I had not heard, I mean, I understood like from years of doing yoga, I understood like how breathing helps us mm -hmm. and the different types of breaths, but I did not understand breath work as, um, as a modality toward healing. Past mm. And yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. I, and so I pretty much, I thought, oh, I'm happy I'm over. So, so one of the most significant traumas in my life was um, uh, I had a stillborn son in mm. 2003 mm. and I did a lot of processing. I did a lot of work, both, um, both non-traditional and traditional, right? So mm. group and, and, and then I did like this, this cleansing and some other work around this loss of, of my son. And, um, and I thought to myself when, so I went to this retreat in Mexico with mm -hmm. our, our coaching certification mm -hmm. group. And, and that was in 2019, right? 18, 18. 2018. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. So we started in 2018, we went in May. And so, so then in this course, I was doing breath work and had done breath work the previous year and it was specifically on womb right mm. on on the womb and i thought i'll be good because i've done so much work around this right and so um but my intention was to tap into that um that loss in my womb and through breath work i realized that i that things that i had never realized before which was that there was some anger and betrayal, I felt like, and I never blame. I didn't think that I blamed myself. I didn't think that anything like that existed. I didn't think that that, that emotion existed in my body, but in doing this breath work, um, this feeling came out and my breath work partner was very skilled and recognized this, asked me what I needed. I needed to say the words that I was talking about and, um, and then offered myself, yeah, it's okay to feel that. Before, mm. before tapping into my body, I would have judged myself harshly for, that's ridiculous. I would have batted it away like a little bit of a, a tantrumy child. That's what I did over and over again. So in this breath work, in this, in this, um, anchoring into my body and feeling safe with a practitioner and having practiced breath work, I released so much of this heartache from this loss. And, and Kelly, the next breath after, after I spoke this out, I spoke those words and I felt it physically releasing from my body. The next breath I felt almost was like a different flavor or a different temperature. I, I breathed it in and I just thought the word joy. Mm. And it was just so beautiful that I thought everyone has to know this, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I wanted, like, everyone has to know this. So, 
So it's through my own, like it's through practicing these things myself and getting so jazz, so lit up. And I found myself becoming friends with the playful part. I was, I've always been silly. I've always been playful, mm-hmm. but I low-key judged myself for that. Like I thought, oh, that's, that's not intelligent. That's not smart. That's, that's like, you know, lowbrow or something like this. Right? Yeah. I didn't ever let myself be who, who I was. And so through the practices, the body, mind, through mindfulness, through breath work and, um, and these, this somatic healing, I have just, I sometimes walk down the street and I think I'm so in love. And then I, <laughs> and that's when I'm in or out of partnership, right? That's when I'm, when I'm blue or not blue, it's, it's, it's in me now, just like that, that sadness was in me and that trauma was in me. I, I was able to release that that and and make so much space for the joy now of and of course like things hit me hard but but they don't stay so much like they used to yeah that's the thing that I have learned through all the things that we've learned through our training is that um just what I quite like about the tantric approach is you know you can let those more challenging emotions come through and they actually pass quite quickly uh and then there's something kind of really beautiful on the other side like exactly what you were talking about but your nervous system doesn't get as terrified of feeling them and so it relaxes and lets them come through yeah and even you know like when I was going through my treatment for my cancer last year because I'd already done all the training very similar experiences um as you that I was quite happy to let myself be sad and quite, you know, and terrified and despairing and all the, the feel, the darker feelings. And I knew I'd be okay. Yeah. And I also, it just gave me so much a feeling, so much deeper feeling of awe and wonder for the body. And I was just like, holy shit, right? like these bodies, they're just amazing. Like just, and I, I've talked to doctor friends about it and, you know, like, do you just think the body is just amazing? <laughs> and when they get out of their kind of expert and get a bit, you get them a bit reflective, they're like, it's amazing. It's amazing it's, what it can do. Amazing. It is amazing. And, it, and, I, and I totally resonate with just bopping around down the street feeling like, woo. So, you know, so yeah. in love with and I would say too that the body. I, would, I mean, I was just before we started the podcast, I was like, had music on. I did a bit of a workout this morning and I still was getting ready and I had my headphones on and I was just sitting at the desk. I had my earplugs in and I was like bopping away. And then my husband walked past the door because we're all working from home now. And um, one of my sons is home today. <laughs> they were just laughing at me. They're like, yeah. they started dancing and I was like, going to be a great day I've got a podcast coming up just be quiet for an hour they're like okay no right. problem <laughs> be quiet for an hour but not only not only are these and I love that I love particularly the dancing I think that we have that in common yeah um, and when I start to feel myself like get a little funky a little stale a little gray I call it there's all these these colors right and when I get a yeah. little beige then I think I need a good dance I need a good dance session and sometimes I'll dance like with my sexuality, sometimes I'll dance with my playfulness. Sometimes I'll dance something that I want to sort of grow and fall in love with or reconnect with. But one thing that when you were talking that is, was a really big revelation for me is um, I used to have a huge problem with anger in that I would not allow myself to be angry. I would not Mm. allow myself to feel it. And so therefore I became in my deeply a, a resentful angry person right like it's so funny like because I didn't know how I didn't know how to I didn't know how to express or support a feeling that was so scary that was so negative but after learning to process anger and to let it roll through to as you said you you quite enjoyed giving yourself these moments for me anger was a big one and now 
I, there's almost like a sexiness in the anger. There's almost mm. like a, um, a feeling of, so that it doesn't feel like the enemy. It doesn't feel like it's trying to harm me. It just feels like it needs to come up. Understanding that this is not me was a huge revelation. I thought I am angry. Yeah. I am emotional. Yeah. I, but I felt like I am emotional when really the sentence was, I didn't know how to process emotions. In yes. My body. Yes. And I have coached many women who say, come to me saying, I'm really, I'm like an emotional person. Like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's okay. I'm super emotional. Like I cry at ads on TV and whatever. And, um, but it's like, there's something wrong with them. Like I'm really emotional. And I'm like, is it that you, you are emotional or is it that you're not really connected to your emotions and just let them do their thing? And they're like, oh, yeah. and it's, it is, it is what you say. It turns out that actually I'm not really that connected to them. Yeah. And it feels really uncomfortable in my body because of course the nervous system would not feel safe if it's not being conditioned to express them yeah. safely. Totally. So it doesn't well, feel well, safe for them. Yeah, exactly. And I, to I, I was exactly that, you know, as, as I said, I was exactly that person. What I think is really magical, and tell me if you feel this way too, is it seemed so big, right? Like childhood trauma, this loss, yeah. the, all of these things seemed so big. Even my willingness to look at them and unpack them still seemed overwhelming. How am I going to get over 50 years of, how am I going to, how am I going to unravel all that? Right. But the body practices like humming, like the vagus nerve things, like, like breathwork, like they are so simply, you know, that's the pleasurable. Pill. Right. They're pleasurable. They're simple. I don't really need to do anything. I just need to sit in a chair. It's like getting a pedicure, right? It's my pedicure place has this thing where you sit in the chair and you put the, the, uh, chair on and it does this whole, like, oh, yeah, it does rolling the vibration. all I had to do was push the button and I get my toenails done, which, you know, yeah, I yeah, yeah, a lovely yeah. privileged yeah. life. And, and it's a little bit like that. Like, I don't need to really understand. I mean, I'm really sciencey geeky about how this works with the yeah. vagus nerve and with the serotonin and the things I did not know about my own body, particularly my sexuality, my um, arousal and turn on and all of these things for so much of my life. I thought, wow, who else doesn't know this? Right. And, and Exactly. And not in a like, oh, I'm so mad that I didn't know this. It's like a woohoo, I gotta share this song on the this internet. This is amazing. Exactly. It's like sharing a song. It's like yes. sharing a cartoon, you know, like an Instagram kind of post. I totally, I totally get what you're saying. And actually, one of my good friends and a colleague here in Melbourne, she, you know, she has a lot of trauma from childhood and she's done a lot of talk therapy. And she said to me, what she's learned from me and a couple of our coach friends, because she sometimes goes and does stuff, you know, with the, yeah. our friends. And she said the thing that's been most amazing for her, and I think what you pointed out at this time in our lives, at this midlife time, we're like, oh, my God, like, you know, this seems insurmountable. Like there's so much to deal with. She said, you know, the thing with the embodiment stuff is, it makes it easy. It doesn't have to be grueling. If you can get that message out there, it doesn't have to be grueling. And this is coming from someone like me who's got so much trauma in their body, in their story. Like I'm discovering so much pleasure in my life. Yeah. And I said, yes, that is actually one of the joys and that it's you can go really slow and, in fact, slow is more. Yeah. So there are certainly breathwork practices that are very cathartic and intense. And so if you're a person who has lived at high intensity maybe that's not for you because you're just strengthening those neural pathways but there's different styles of breath work that are slower yeah. and more gentle like I did somatic experiencing during my chemotherapy treatment and it was absolutely beautiful because it is so slow so gentle so just being present in your body and the depth that I could go to 
because of course it brought up a whole lot of other stuff when you're going through the treatment because it's giving your nervous system a pretty hard time. My poor old oncologist, because she wasn't familiar with it, so she had no idea what I was talking about when I was explaining it to her. But it was it was just so nourishing yeah. to go through it. And I've come out the other end so well. And my general practitioner that I go to, she's like, I, I, I can't believe how well you've come out of this. I've never seen anything like this before. Yeah. And I said, well, there's a couple of things. Like the SE was amazing and explained it to her. And I said, but I have like this massive toolkit of all this stuff that I've learned in the last five or six years. And I just stayed with my body the whole time and just talked to it and, you know, tried to find pleasure in the small moments, you know, yeah. the small moments of every day. I let myself be very sad. I let myself be terrified. I let myself have despair. I all those really tough emotions. I just let myself go there. It's okay. Yeah. It's a bit tough at yeah. times. But that's all right. Right. Yeah. And that's not that's not was not my experience at all. Because I had not had I had not had this experience before. I did not have the toolkit that you had before. Yeah. So I did the hyper independence. I'm fine. Everything's good. Um and people would say to me, wow, you, you still look great. Like people would say to like the, I, I went by myself the majority of the time to my radiation treatment. And I went every day for three months and they knew me quite well. But there was one time where there was a person who was not at the normal time, or I went at a different time at a different shift, something like this. And the staff was not the same. And, and they were busy doing their things. They didn't really look up and they, I said, I need to change an appointment for next week. Uh, my son has something that I need to go to. So I need to do it earlier, something like this, right? Mm -hmm. And she said, okay, no, she said, well, who's the patient? And I said, I am. And then she looked at me and she's like, like, like I'm not allowed to still have like pink cheeks and right. Like I, and, and, and that's not what she meant at all, but I, and I think she said something about like, you, you look, you look good. You look pretty, you look pretty good for this patient, right? Like something <laughs> like that. But instead of taking any of that, like a compliment, I felt like I was almost fooling everyone. I was almost still living mm. that lie. And I was getting this reinforced disconnection from myself and everybody else. So, so that was the feeling that I had that came to a pinnacle while I was in treatment. I felt disconnected from other people while seemingly very social, while seemingly very happy, while seemingly because I was so disconnected from myself and they thought Gene is very confident, Gene is very self-aware and would say to me, well, it's easy for you because you're outgoing. Not really, right? Like, and so then I felt can like I, I could ask, is that lonely feeling like that? Like oh, it was so lonely. lonely. Yeah. So lonely, like ridiculously lonely. Yeah. Like just I my heart breaks for that woman who felt lonely like that. Mm. Just so sad. But I love her now, right? Like I love her. I don't criticize her. I bring her in. I um but I was doing all the things to ignore that loneliness. Mm. I was doing all of the things to pretend like I wasn't. And then I just could there were there I just couldn't do it anymore, right? Like I couldn't do it anymore. One of the things I did, I love how you said this thing about taking it slow. You're allowed to take it slowly, right? And that's very tantric as well. Mm -hmm. But what I did is I said, okay, for one year, um, so I got divorced and I thought for one year, as, as we do when we're divorced, when we're married for 20 years, we get married in our twenties and then we get divorced. Then we think, who am I, right? <laughs> like, who am I without him? Who am I without my family? Who am I without, you know, who am I in this, in this break? Who am I? Because I wanted the divorce, right? Mm -hmm. who, who am I? Mm -hmm. And I thought, I don't know. I know who I pretended to be. I know who felt, felt, I know when it felt good, when other people praised me for being that, but let's just have a look and see like, so every decision, big and small, do I like roasted potatoes? Like, 
start like I started small and I recommend mm-hmm. to people start really small tapping into questioning like what do I want and and full permission to change that from today to tomorrow actually made me feel more stable in myself mm. you know my own inner compass my own north star was much brighter was much greater when I just checked in with myself yeah just checked in with myself what is it a yes or a no yeah, a lot of I have a lot of clients who struggle with self love in in that they they don't like the way it, it, it's coming out in a dislike of their body. Yes. So this is very difficult to use the body to heal when you have an adversarial relationship with your body. I totally understand because I think I for all my life because like you I was very very active and. I didn't dislike it, but I pushed it too hard because I was like, oh, I wonder if I can do that. And if I just do a little bit more. And what I started to do is push myself out of my own window of tolerance a lot. So I was being too brave sometimes and, and pushing too hard and running too much or, you know, swimming too much or like, yeah. So it was... And, and then not being kind to my body, yeah. like not imagine being gentle. Your body, imagine your body were one of your children and I you know. said, what else? What else? Push, push, go, go. And never, never tucked it in, never kissed it goodnight, never told it that you loved it, never wrapped it in something, never put lotion, never washed your hair with love just to get the dirt out, right? It's and, really bad. And I, it, ha- it showed up for me at work as well because I, I can do a lot like at work I've got a big worth work ethic and my brain works fast so I can get a lot of stuff done really quickly but what I had a couple of scenarios probably in my early 30s where I would ha- I'd have a lot on and a boss would just give me more like I remember one time of doing this like massive restructure just piled all this work on me and I was just I just said I just I cannot do any more like can you please stop but because I'd been so used to just going, yep, 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 yeah. can do it, can do it, can do it. And then they would get cross with me because I couldn't, like, I'd just say no. So they even, like, wouldn't accept my no's, right. which was, and I remember a colleague, a male colleague saying to me one time, like, are you all right? Like, oh, my God, they've just given you so much stuff to do. And when I complained to this boss at the time, and said, look, I just, I cannot take on any more work. I'm actually exhausted. He's like, you don't understand. We've got so much to do. He goes, you are the best person in the team to get change done in this organization. He goes, you know, when people say like, we're pulling out teeth, like you're the dentist. And I went, that's great, but I'm about to keel over. Yeah. A dead the dentist, dentist is about to collapse. Yeah. Right. right. But like, and I, I, at that point in time, and it happened to me one more time and I was like, what the hell have I done? What have I created in terms of this really unhealthy dynamic where yeah. when I say no, they won't listen to me. Right. Like that is really dysfunctional. And I just thought, how can I pull back more? And it's interesting this, um, because I started my embodiment journey probably about 20 years ago with this network chiropractor I go to. He's fabulous because I had a misdiagnosed autoimmune disease and I was getting reactive arthritis. And once we worked out what it was, it actually went away. And he said to me, and I still go to him, he actually said to me when I was going through my cancer treatment, he goes like, if you just operate at 50% of your capacity, that's like everyone else's 100%. <laughs> right, right. And I went, okay, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And he's actually had cancer too. He's very like me. And he said, that was the biggest lesson that I had to learn. You're very similar. He goes, just be careful. And I went, okay. And actually, you know, it's taken me a long time to learn it and it nearly killed me in the end. But now I'm just like, Mm, I just don't put my hand up anymore. Do you know, like I don't, and, and yeah, I no off. good deed, no good just, deed goes unpunished, right? It just doesn't. Like, Why don't we do it this way? They're like, yeah, do it that way. Yeah, yeah. and also <laughs> like what I've done now, I put pleasure first every yeah. day. Yeah, every day. That was radical flip for me as well. I used to reward myself with pleasure, and now I fuel myself with pleasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the same thing with boundaries, right? Kelly, like none of these things happen without practice. 
Like I would have never showed up to a marathon starting line without having trained. And I don't show up in sex without knowing what my own self-pleasure is. I don't show up in difficult conversations without having put myself in difficult situations, right? I used to be, um, you know, so, so that when we practice, um, when, when the, when the stakes are low, right? So like using, using communication strategies, using, um, practicing your boundaries when the yeah. stakes are low yeah. and then celebrating, right? The, otherwise you celebrating. Keep, if you don't celebrate, celebrating is like putting the lid, like not putting the lid. It's like, it's like completing everything, completing this cycle so that you don't have to keep starting over again from square one, square one. Then the brain's like, this is just how we do it, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And, and it's a piece that I find is really missing in a lot of boundary work is the... It is, but it's also, it's such a, a generous, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a generous self-compliment celebration. Yeah. Do you know? And we yeah. don't do it. Like, and it's very hard for a lot of people when you ask them, what are some celebrations? They're like, oh, it's really hard. Yeah. Like yeah. even clearings, like I think clearings are magnificent and it's really hard to explain to people. It's, I said, it's like conscious complaining, mm -hmm. right? And so just let's just clear what's going on, but let's be constructive about it. And they're like, it's such a foreign concept. And again, I think that's a really good boundary practice because yeah. what conscious complaining helps you realise is what you want, like your desires, okay? Mm -hmm. And again, culturally, we've been punished for, one, you know, for wanting anything. Yeah, and culturally, we've been conditioned to be um, humble women. Yes. Right? Don't be too flashy. Don't be too, um, don't be too proud of yourself. Well, you're pleased with yourself. Nobody ever says, oh, you're pleased with yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like positive. Yeah. Say, well, look at you. You're pleased with yourself. <laughs> but yes, I am pleased with myself. And I would well, I want you to be pleased with yourself too. Yeah. What I also did too, that was really kind of fun and cool is I used to have the formula wrong, right? I used to think, oh, I, I'm so attentive. I do this for others. I do so much. I, I make special things for others. Nobody makes special things for me, right? Yes. That's not the formula. The formula is I do special things for myself. You know, of course, you, I still do special things for myself. I mean, for, for others. But the reason that other people weren't, weren't doing them for me is because I didn't do them for me. That wasn't in my in I my nervous connect with that. brain, yeah. it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't there. So once I realized that, like, let's say you want compliments, you want somebody to like, let's say your love language is, um, word, what is it? Words of affirmation, right? Yes. Like that's yeah. your love language is words of affirmation. And you're like, Oh, nobody ever gives me any words of affirmation. And then, and then like a coach like us would say like, well, what, what words of affirmation would you like? And could you give those to yourself first thing in the morning? Could you get, could you set an, a timer on your, and that is such a foreign concept and so much fun to do. So I had read all these relationship books, all of these things, like how to save your marriage, how to, and I never applied any of those things to myself. I never did active listening with myself. I never checked in. I never mirrored my own feelings. Like I never thought like, okay, like, uh, you're, you're feeling like, I, I see that you're, I hear that your shields are up, right? Like I never had a conversation with myself about any of it. I never did any of those fun things. I never did eye gazing. I never looked at myself like eye gazing in the mirror. I just put on makeup mascara. And yeah. my teeth, right? And so it was really fun to do all of those things. And it works two ways, right? It, 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 it gets it set in, in ourselves. Like you're giving yourself what you need yes. and that's how you receive it. Yes. And then you're also practicing so that that's your go-to, right? When you, when you do have a hot conversation, 
you've practiced it so many times. Well, this is the thing. And because you've been giving it to yourself as well, like again, the nervous system's like, yeah, cool. I can receive because I've been receiving every day for the last year. So when someone does give you a compliment, you graciously is like, wow, thanks so much. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the neuroscience part of it too, is that you've told your brain that doing this thing is survivable. Whereas before, what is this phrase, this phrase I've, I've been hearing so much, like belief is just a habit you know, and you can change your beliefs by just changing your habits. So making new habits, like so if, if I have a belief about myself, I'm an angry person, something, or, or I don't process anger well, then I just practice processing anger well. And sometimes I had to do that pretending to be angry first. Yeah. So that started to get the groove of here's what we do. This is my go-to. I yeah. simulated I I did some simulations. Yeah, that that makes sense. I'm curious, one of the things that that helped me a lot in terms of self-love was learning to love, really love, like not pretend love, the feminine aspects of myself. So the feminine parts of my body, my menstrual cycle, that my menstrual cycle wasn't a pain in the butt. Like, God, here it is again. That actually this is great. And like learning to ride the waves of the cycle, learning to love just all the aspects of me that were very feminine. And now I kind of get off on them. Yeah. In a funny way. Like I think it's, yeah, I just really love them. Yeah. I remember. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I remember thinking like, if I ever, touched myself or self-pleasured or even like adjusted my underpants yeah and my fingers grazed against pussy or my vulva in any way gotta go wash my hands right like (laughs) that's dirty yeah 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 you can't touch your computer after having touched pussy right yeah and the idea that I was performing a microaggression on myself like that that sexuality is dirty sexuality is bad when if you had asked me is sexuality bad and dirty I would have said absolutely not yeah but but the connecting with the with the very feminine parts of myself um for me it it wasn't it was a little bit like the blood too like that the blood wasn't negative I did some blood practices around um around my cycle um some jade egg and some moon things as well. But for me, it was more that to unwind the story of feminine equals weak. Yes. And so that was a part I cut off from myself because weakness equals death, right? Yes. <laughs> or weakness was being cut off. Like for me, my childhood was like, you know, not, I needed to look out for myself. I needed to be brave and strong, stoic, all of the things. So softening, allowing myself to, like, I wouldn't, I I don't think I've, I don't think I ever said, I need help. Can you help me? Yeah. And so getting in touch with, as you said, um, my breasts, my, my body, my feminine, the softness of it, the, the, trying to think of another, of another way, like another, another connection to the feminine. Um, well, there's, the, a, there's a softness and tenderness of the female form, but there's yeah. also like, I'm thinking about the pelvis and the womb too, because we tend to think of our body in very biomechanical terms. And maybe that's physiotherapy or whatever treatments. But when I think of the womb in particular, it's like mind, body, spirit, right? It's like five dimensional. So one of the things that I learned during our training is like, it just gave me this reverence for the female reproductive system, but that, oh my God, actually, this is so much more than bones, ligaments, muscles. Yeah. The, the perfunctory kind of medical model, of, you know, the hormones. It's like, like, 
this this thing has a is like the second heart like this is like a second brain like it's incredible we still have so many emotions down in there there's like a spiritual part of us inside of our heart plus our womb like it kind of blew my yeah. mind when I started to listen to it yeah really yeah. listen and really connect in with it and did you also find that like your creativity so it's not just like self-love and but it's also like my creativity my my love of art and love of music has always been there well I've always but been pretty creative anyway but I would go through blocks so yeah. I'm a painter. So I'd go through blocks, but now it just flows all the time. But it comes yeah. out, like I remember talking to one of our teachers when we were in Mexico because I've, you know, we're talking about energy in the hands. And I said to her and she sort of looked at me, I was like, I just have a lot of energy in my hands. And I'm. it's like the, and one of our colleagues who's a writer, Moira, I've talked to her about this and she gets it. It's like the, the picture has to come out of my hands. It's like my fingers have to put it on the canvas. It's the only way I can describe it. And our teacher's like, oh, yeah, I get that. I get what you're saying. And I said, so it's kind of like the creativity comes up and then it's got to come out this way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, it um, makes total sense. It's like sense. my fingers do the talking. Yeah. But it's also when I paint, I'm not painting, I'm painting a feeling. Even though I'm a figurative painter and I paint women, I'm painting a feeling. So I look at a picture or like I interact with you. I'm painting the feeling of Gina. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, it makes so much sense. And it just yeah. evokes but, but, so, but much, what I, so much more, right? It just. Yeah. But what I've noticed since doing all of this work is with my pelvis, the sense of aliveness that I feel every day inside of it. Yeah, me too. Me too. And it, and it, and it comes out in, um, and I also have like, you brought Moira up and she, I don't, I like, I'm not an expert on human design, but my authority is my sacral energy. Right. And so both mama Gina's work where she says like, use this as your, you know, the great pussy guidance. GPS, system, right? like, I love GPS, that. Yeah. And yeah. And so just tapping in, asking what do you want to wear? What do you want to just slowly and surely? And then it it's a tap. And now it's like a full throbbing presence, not in a sexual way, of course, in a no, sexual it's life way. Force. I can feel I'm feeling it yeah. just talking to you. My whole yes. body's like, Woo yeah. 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 And it's just, it's amazing. Like one, one can survive without that thrumming creativity, but why, 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 why do that why when you, you can when you can just connect to it, tap into it, and it's yours. Like your your sexual nature, your feminine nature is a broad spectrum. No, nobody who comes to me would expect their sexuality to show up. Their their um their sexual energy, right? Their sensuality, their to to show up like mine. The whole yes. point is like like let's see where you are. Let's see where um. Let's see where it takes you. Let's see what it what it gets you, how it grows you, what you discover, and just how at home you feel. Before I was living in a house that I appreciated and had good admiration for that had an entire wing closed off. Yes. And there's a little bit of a low key, like, I wonder what's going on in that room. I, there's a little distrust with ourselves when we're not, doesn't mean you're going to be like wildly sexual. It just means you're going to be whole. Well, it's just such a foundational part of hum the human experience, sexuality. Yeah. And I feel like we do all this work. It's like this, it's a big lever actually. And we do all this work around it. We do talk therapy. We do, you know, the body work, but then it's like, but, but what about this bit? Like this really kind of core bit that kind of anchors you into the ground yeah, but also lights you up from the inside, like it, you know. And this is this five-dimensional aspect of it. Like it sits in your pelvis, which joins the top half and the bottom half of your body. Like it radiates upwards, it radiates downwards. The energy that lives within it is magnificent, and 
it's an incredible source of energy and nourishment and like vibrancy. Vibrance. And, oh, yeah. yeah. And do you, do you find, so my, my oldest daughter said to me one time, they said, um, well, not everyone hangs out, you know, I forget what the topic was, but the, I said, I said something to them like, well, well, yeah, of course. And they said, not of course, not everyone hangs out with 200 sex coaches. Like the, <laughs> the rest of the world might not really like totally feel that. But like when you meet people or you speak in front of people or like I catch people when I have a conversation like this and when it starts, I catch people looking at me like trying to figure out what it is about me. Yes. And that's what it is about me. Yeah. No, I it would is, say that the I'm same fully thing. connected to my sexuality. Yeah. And it feels a bit scary. Like I was at a barbecue last week and someone's like, what do you do? So I told them and I could see there was two females there and one of them was like backing away. And she was like, <laughs> she was pretty scared. And I was yeah. actually wasn't saying that much. I was being right. quite yeah. measured, yeah. but yeah. And oftentimes I'm not, I'm just really open about what I do. Yeah. And it, yeah, because people feel uncomfortable with that because Maybe they're not comfortable with their own sexuality. I'm not sure, but maybe they were taught not to be comfortable, right? Most likely. Yeah. I mean, my so my my mother did not really impart any of this to me. She was pretty sex positive. Mm. And yet, and yet I still have, because of society, because of you know, because of media, because of every rom-com, because of every movie because of porn because of like all of these things imprinted on me what it meant to be a woman what it meant to be sexual and and that there's a low-key danger in it and Mm. and there is only a danger we only fear what we are not looking at yes when we look at and connect to there is a beautiful trust and innocence and just juicy, yummy flow that if you never went into that room and things were, you know, unknown, unsure, scary, you don't know what's happening, that there is a, like a humming of, of distrust or instability, insecurity, maybe that's the best word. Yeah. The unknown, something like this. It's very difficult to feel fully, like, I don't think self-love work can work without embracing your feminine, without embracing your, your female sexuality. Yeah, I would agree with you. And the, and the female parts of you, whether they're physical, spiritual, psychological. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because I think when, you know, that sisterhood wounding that we all have, which comes from the patriarchal conditioning, when you learn to love all the feminine parts of you, the love for the, the sisters is, it's gushing. Like it's not, there's no hesitance. There's no com- competition. Well, for me, there's no competition. It's just like, awesome. Look what she's doing. Amazing. I love that. And even I find myself, like I was getting my hair cut last Friday and my um my guy that I go to he only has two people at a time he just works on his own and this lady walked in and I saw her shoes I was like they're cool I was like wow I love your shoes and she's like oh thanks like I'm not used to receiving you know oh another woman complimenting me and she's a physiotherapist and um and Greg my hairdresser she's like what do you do and he's like oh my god she's a sex sex therapist I'm like (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm, I'm a coach, but I work around sexuality, love and relationships. And this is generally what I do. And she's like, give me a card. I, you know, I deal with all these people who have pelvic issues and it's all around sexuality. And yeah. So yeah, I guess for anyone who's listening, what we, we really want you to understand is it, it's, it can seem intimidating and it can seem overwhelming and it can seem a lot but actually just it's it's not that hard it can be so pleasurable so fun and it doesn't have to be grueling at all does it 
No. Well, and I just would like to like, just touch briefly on honoring people who have had a lot of sexual trauma. Yes. That work is, is not always light. It's, it's deep, but it's held and it's worth it. And it's um, so, so it can be hard when you're overcoming a sexual trauma of any yes. degree, but, but the, the reconnecting is, is coming back to the way it's, the way it's, I don't, I hate to say it's supposed to be the, the, it's the original plan, right? Is, is for the body. The ori- it's like the original design of the body, yeah. I guess. Yeah. The original design is supposed to be connected. It's not supposed to be connected, disconnected. Yeah. And so this sense of safety, once you do get there, and as we said, with the practices, like it, it can be so pleasurable to do the practices and it's not all work. Like I don't even call the practices that I give people homework. I call it home play. Yes. You know, so, and, and part of that is to use languaging that encourages an excitement around the gift that you're giving yourself, the gift that you're giving yourself. And so, um, yeah, as you said, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be painful and it can, it can breathe new life into your, into your life and, and into everything, right? Money, relationships. I mean, I think that, yeah, the thing I always say to a lot of people I work with, like, you know, this whole thing around ancestral trauma and that we do pass things down. And when you do the work, for you like that you do it for your pleasure but it also stops it going down to the generations after you wow yeah and it and then it then you you bequeath joy you start anew I mean we got a lot of things positive from our ancestors as well but ancestral trauma things yeah yeah and and putting in your your peace and knowing that um, your piece is going to be joy and bliss and cl- like a clean innocence around that and, and being the one that, that stops it is a huge legacy, right? It's not just for people who are watching us now on Instagram or, or something. Yeah. It's, it's this real, it's a real true deep legacy. And it's the, it's, as you mentioned, the sisterhood, right? It's it's a blow to the patriarchy who, the patriarchy damages, you know, this this systemic thing, it, it damages all of us. Everyone, yeah. Everyone, everyone. And I think we're ready to be done with it. And this is the way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's 2021, soon to be 2022. And I always yeah. think, you know, we're pretty evolved, but then in so many ways, we're just not. And, you know, a big motivator for me, because I'm kind of pretty big in environmental sustainability, social sustainability. And I think, you know, and I do so many things around my house, like on a material level. Okay. And have for years. And, but really what I really believe is until we do this deep healing, work on ourselves we just continue to project it outward into this conspicuous consumption which is killing the planet and the whole thing that I have just at a deep cellular level that I've benefited from is you don't you know you when you learn how to do this work like you said, you know how to give it to yourself. You know how to parent yourself and soothe yourself in the moments that you need it. You know how to give yourself joy in the moments that you need it. You know how to give your body pleasure, um, whether it be sensual pleasure or sexual pleasure or just play, you know, that sense of play that we have. (laughs) You don't need to go outside of you to find whatever you're looking for because actually it's all inside of us. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you can't enjoy those things. It just means that your value doesn't come from those things. Your, your value, value doesn't come. Yeah. Yeah. And your deep love comes from here. Like I still, I still do the things, but I um, get a little visitor coming oh, in. That's my- okay. <laughs> <laughs> love it. 
Yeah. Yeah. So it's really, it's so powerful. And so like, I've been just grinning and smiling, just talking about it. And as you said, like, like you feel a turn on talking about it and, and, and it's no longer compartmentalized, right? You you don't think I, um, I only get turned, I'm only supposed to be turned on when I'm about to have sexual relations, right? Like, yeah. like you, you, you know, your turn on is for life. Your it's turn on high is on life, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to share this before we finish up. But when, um, when I finish my chemo treatment, and you know, like after your treatment, it takes about five or six weeks for your energy to come back. I don't know if you remember that. Like you get this big surge of energy. And I just remember because I'd been doing a lot of sensuality practices through my whole treatment. I felt like I was, you know those neural pathways were very strong there. And one day I was just quite high and my husband just looked at me. He's like, I said, Oh my God, my energy's back. But I just feel so high on life. And I'm like, I just experiencing life in just high visibility, like high dimension on all my senses. It was, it was like I was on drugs. It was incredible. And He just, he just laughed at me and said, oh, you're so funny. You make me laugh so much. He goes, but it's amazing. And he just, you know, gave me a hug and, and we were just laughing. I said, oh, it's just, I just can't explain to you. Heather. Like I literally feel like I've been taking opioids or something. Like I just feel so yeah. amazing. And he's yeah. like, yeah, I said, because it's like my life force energy is like kicking back so strong and it feels incredible. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. Yeah. So hard to go through that type of illness and having the tools that you had and being able to move through it with such. Oh, it's a blessing. Yeah. True. It's a blessing. Yeah. Not just like, I don't want to say grace or class or whatever. It's just truth. Like all the truth. Like I recently I recently, um, on the top of my journal, I journal every day. And on the top of my journal, I, I recently went through like a list of a hundred values. What are my values? What are my core values? Yes. I went from 10 to five. And then those five, everything I do all day long is put up against those five. Yeah. Is it in alignment with these five? Right. And, and truth is just the number one truth for me is, you know, am, am I living in truth? And, um, Sometimes that means getting a, a, a pint of ice cream and indulging. Like it doesn't always mean like this high, like Zen, you know, this uh, enlightened being. Um, it just means, am I, am I living in my own, in my own truth? Like, am Absolutely. I taking responsibility? Am I giving myself like, am, as long as like do the thing, do all the things, but don't do them from hiding yeah 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 that's exactly right I mean that might be a nice place to finish tell us your details if people want to find you so Gina has a fabulous Instagram account she's very funny if you so that's Gina Gina Catherine yeah that's well it's Gina underscore Catherine underscore coaching so Gina Catherine coaching with some if you search for it there so my Instagram is really like about like these little punches these little invitations these little nuggets of um of like an invitation to get closer to your sexuality to ask a lot of questions about how much you know about your own body about your own arousal about um about dating sex love relationships all all of the things whatever and you know there are there are some really fun and good teaching tips there as well on my instagram um my website is ginacatherine.love mm-hmm. and um and that's where you can find like where my group courses are offered, where I do group courses and um, private one-on-one coaching. So yeah. um, if anybody is interested, can book a call through ginacatherine.love or, and that's all on my Instagram bio too. So maybe that's all you really need. Like I have one of those bio link things. Yeah. Yeah. Link tree. Yeah. Yeah. It's too. not, mine is not link tree. It's through, it's called like bio edit or bio. Okay. Whatever. Anyway, nonetheless, they can find um, you through there. They can find me through. Yeah. And thank you for saying that. I like, I have so much fun with, I was going to dump Instagram 
until Clubhouse. Like Clubhouse is a big is a big deal for me. I really enjoy Clubhouse. Yeah, I've got to get on there one day with you and just um, do a tour. We have to do organize okay. that. Yeah. yeah. I do it with other colleagues yeah. of ours and I yeah. also do it with other people in Clubhouse who have invited me to speak on sexuality. You know, there, there are many, 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 you know, hundreds and hundreds of um, love and dating and matchmaker coaches, but not, not that many sex and sexuality coaches mm-hmm. who are truly educated, who truly yes. have the knowledge around it, right? Yes, I agree and, with you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. are you just yeah. doing Catherine on Clubhouse? People and can follow you. Catherine. Yeah, people can follow me. They can look at what rooms I have coming up. I have one coming up on Friday with an actor voice coach, like a, and about how um, releasing our 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 voice um, helps us become fully sexual and turned on, right? Like, so it's one of oh, the. That sounds good. If yeah, I can wait, I might see if I can get in there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'll just sleep. I'll I'll send you the little link. Yeah. You'll probably see like on my Instagram too. Uh, I do. I'm, so sometimes when you guys do them because of the time difference, I'm have I'm fast asleep when you're yeah. talking. Yeah. Yeah. I'll All right. It. Well, thank you so okay. much. It's oh my been gosh, I fabulous. Always love being to. in your presence. <laughs> Awesome. Okay. Well, I'll see you. Much love, my dear.